My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at RCC, RCC at RHS, I guess. And today we are wrapping up our March Madness series. If you've been here the past few weeks, you know that we've talked about things in life that can drive us mad or drive us crazy and how to better deal with those things. It might be just change in life. It might be stress or or parenting or or being so busy or our jobs. We wrap all that up today. And and throughout the series, we've had this basketball theme, obviously, because it's March Madness. And we'll wrap up the basketball theme today as well. And I'm going to begin by asking you a question. In your mind, who do you think is the most famous basketball player, or maybe the best basketball player of all time? Well, for all those of you who said Michael Jordan, you'd be correct. For the rest of you, I don't know. Now, I I know it's debatable, but Michael Jordan generally wins those votes or is close to the top. And then let me ask a second question, a follow-up question. Um, Michael Jordan, and I have a hint for you, Michael Jordan is best known for representing what company? All right, good. I wore these as a teaching aid this morning. I've never worn tennis shoes at church before. Sixteen and a half years, I've never worn tennis shoes on a Sunday. It feels kind of weird. I don't know. He's known for representing Nike. That's what he's so famous for. Air Jordans, right, are so famous. They're still famous today. That's what lots of people want to have is Air Jordans. But I bet you don't know the story behind it. So I'm going to tell you that story this morning as we begin the sermon. The year was 1984. Jordan was getting out of college, and he became a pro basketball player. He got drafted in the NBA. And what was normal then, and and still is now, is when you become a basketball player, you start representing different companies with the shoes you wear or the endorsements or, or whatever. You probably know all about that. So Jordan was going to sign a shoe deal. At that time in 84, the big two shoe companies in basketball were Converse and Adidas. And most especially Converse, like the best players, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. They they were Converse people. So Converse was huge. Adidas was second. No one heard of Nike. Nike was nowhere back then. So much so that Jordan wouldn't even entertain the idea of sponsoring or working with Nike. His, he, when, you, when you graduate and become a pro, you get a, an agent, a manager kind of a person. And this guy was saying, we've got to consider Nike. We've got to consider Nike. And Jordan was just like, no, not interested at all. Don't tell me about it. Don't want to hear about it. My favorite shoe is Adidas. I'm going to have Adidas. Done. Not going to hear about it. Well, his agent was just adamant. He's like, Michael, we, we can change how basketball works. We can change how endorsements work. You can get millions if you do this right. Because up to then, players didn't get that much money. I mean, they got, a, they got a little bit of money, but not a ton of money like they do now. So the agent's big idea was, I want to change how this works. We're going to change advertising completely, and I really want you to consider Nike. Jordan just went here. I'm not hearing about it. Quit talking to me about it. I'm done. No Nike. So the agent calls, guess who? No, his mother. The agent, the agent literally calls Michael Jordan's mother. And says, hello, this is so-and-so. Um, Michael's not listening to me. And, and I, think I, can, I, I think I can make him ridiculously rich if he would just listen to me. And the mother says, I'll call him. So they hang up. Michael's Jordan's mother calls him and says, you got to go visit Nike. And so it's his mother, right? He does. He's a man and everything, you know, out of college and all. But when mom tells you to do something, you do it, right? So Jordan says, great, I'll go visit Nike. So he gets on the plane, goes with his agent to to see Nike executives. He gets there, and as the agent talks about it, he says, Michael was not tuned in at all. If you can kind of picture the child who's made to do something by their parents, how they would be, that's how Michael was. So I'm not listening. He wore sunglasses all day, totally bored, didn't engage at all. I'm not not part of this. I'm going to put in my daily because my mother told me to. 
but I'm going to Adidas. So they go through the whole day, all the pitches and all the ideas and all this stuff, and Jordan's not even really paying attention. The meeting ends. They, 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 they end up in this room with Nike executives. And again, Nike was nothing. They were about to fold. A tiny, tiny company. Don't think now. Think a, a bunch of know-nothings, tiny little company. So it's you know, hard to like, pitch to a guy like Michael Jordan. So they get him in this room, and they're going to show him something. Well, this is the old days, 84. They had a VCR and a tape. And if you ever had a VCR, if you're old enough, if you ever had a VCR and a tape, half the time when you want to show somebody something... It didn't work, right? You're always like fumbling around with it, trying to make it work, and there's always somebody in the room that knows how. So that's what happened, literally. And they're, they're sweating, they're trying to make the final thing, thing to Jordan. No one can make the VCR work. Finally, they get it to work, and this is what they show Michael Jordan. So Jordan sees that. A, a VCR tape of him dunking in college, because he wasn't a pro yet. So all these college dunks and great plays set to the, that's the Pointer Sisters, if you're old enough to know that, set to music, which was radical for back then. And Jordan goes, I'm in. Totally not interested to totally in just like that, just by seeing the video. He had to be convinced of the potential that he had. This is what could be. This is how we can market you. This is the kind of impact that you can have on basketball and on the world and on tennis shoes everywhere. This is what can happen. Now there's a moral to this story. Do you know what it is? Exactly. Always listen to your mother. The other moral is this. Sometimes you got to give a chance. you got to give someone else a chance to see your own potential, right? At the time, Nike had a, a $3 million net income. Jordan signs, it explodes. It went to $45 million like that. Stock prices went 12 times up. So like if you invested 10 grand, you had 100 and some grand. It went crazy. He had to be shown the potential. I'm asking you this morning and every morning to give God a chance to show you your own potential. No matter what you thought of your past, what's always been, what you think should be, who you are, who everyone else is, how you have to be like them, give God a chance to show you your potential and then see what might happen. If today's your first visit to RCC, I welcome you and I need to tell you that all of the teaching here comes straight from the Bible every single Sunday. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about the Bible is because the Bible addresses our daily lives. The stuff we do every day, our activities, our our potential, The Bible is relevant to life today. And it not only shows us the strong points of the people in the Bible, it shows us their weaknesses. And we can learn so much from both. People that did good things, people that did bad things, we can learn so much. So today I'm going to talk about a relevant topic that deals with everyday life, and that's how to handle ourselves better when life is driving us mad. How to defeat the madness in our lives. And we're going to do it by focusing on a guy in the Bible that might surprise you. If, if there's like a Michael Jordan of basketball, this guy is like the Michael Jordan of the Bible. And his name is Elijah. Elijah lived this phenomenal life. He's a Bible big shot, but he also had weaknesses. He had to be shown his potential sometimes. See, in the Old Testament, if you go back, it's about 860 years before Jesus. Elijah is this big time prophet. The biggest of shots back then, of spiritual people, big time At his time of life, there was this king, King Ahab, and his wife Jezebel. They were horrible. You might have heard those names, Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel is still one of those names that come out there, like in movies and stuff. She's a Jezebel. It's it's a bad thing. This is from 
almost 3,000 years ago. That's how well-known she was. Well, Elijah challenges this king and his wife. Tells them what they're doing is wrong. They need to cut it out. He challenges all their spiritual advisors. Tells them they're all wrong. And then God gives Elijah power. Elijah is able to make it not rain for years. Elijah is able to call down fire from heaven. Elijah is able to bring a boy back to life, a little boy back to life from, from God. God gave him God's power through Elijah. Elijah eventually tells the people, hey, no more game playing. You're either going to follow God or you're not. And if this is all we knew about Elijah, you and I would be saying, I can't identify with Elijah. I mean, who, what have I ever done, right? Look at all the stuff he's done. How, any of us, we've not done anything close to what Elijah has done. We would go, it sounds good, but I can't relate to it. However, Jesus has a brother named James, and James writes a book in the Bible as well. It's in the New Testament. And James says in his book, in chapter 5 and verse 15, James says this about Elijah. Elijah was as human as we are. So this is Jesus' brother commenting about Elijah, the great Elijah. Now that I can identify with, right? Can't you identify with that? Elijah did some great things, but he's as human as we are. I can identify with that. And the beauty is when God paints a picture of people in Scripture, he paints the good, the good stuff they do, but he also paints the bad. You see the whole person, and you you come to understand that these people in in Scripture are real people just like us. The stuff they go through, what they learn, their experiences, are similar to what we experience all these years later. That's why it's so relevant. See, Elijah did amazing stuff. Elijah had a phenomenal faith. But also, his life eventually goes all March Madness on him, and it brings him down. And when his life got crazy like that, he made some of the same mistakes, the common mistakes that we still make today. He eventually does some things right as well, and we're going to look at both sides of this. The Bible tells us that when Elijah was struggling, he did something that I've done. I bet you you've done it too. Do you know what it is? Instead of focusing on truth, on facts, Elijah begins to focus on his feelings. And he begins to believe his feelings. It says in 1 Kings 19, he was afraid. His feeling was fear. He was afraid. And he fled for his life. You know, feelings are great. I don't know if you know this, but God has feelings too. You can see that in Scripture. So let me, let me throw up a verse. It's one of my favorite verses about feelings. Then you get in touch with your feelings, and your feelings will set you free. I love that verse. Jesus said that, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? If I just understand my feelings, they'll they'll set me free? That that must be the answer, because feelings never lie, right? Do you think Jesus said that? Jesus didn't say that. It's not from the Bible. The answer is no. You know what Jesus did say? In John 8, 32, Jesus says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not feelings. And some of you, when I said the feelings thing, were like, yay, feelings. That's because that's what our culture says. That's what we're used to hearing all the time now. It's all you hear. Turn on TV, turn on the radio. It's it's about getting in touch with your feelings. And again, God has feelings. Feelings are important. But truth trumps feelings. Jesus says the truth will set you free. So to defeat the madness that we have in our lives... We have to focus on truth, not feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. My feelings lie to me. Elijah's feelings lied to him. If you want to understand what your life is all about, if you want to wade through and out of the madness that can happen in life, 
you have to concentrate on truth. That's the starting point because, as Jesus says, the truth is what will set you free. So you have to be very careful when your feelings cause you to start exaggerating stuff. Generally, that's what happens. We start trying to figure it out. We start thinking about our feelings, and we start to exaggerate. Elijah did it, and it messed him up. And then it led to what the next common mistake was. And I can understand. Elijah makes another mistake, but I understand. I'm not slamming Elijah. Elijah did some amazing stuff, and he's been battling people forever, and he's just beat down. He's tired physically. He's tired emotionally. He's tired spiritually. I get it. I get why he's in this valley. You probably do, too. You've had valleys. We've all had valleys, right? Maybe you have three toddlers at home dragging on you all day long. Maybe you got two jobs to make the ends meet. Maybe you just got canned from your job. Maybe you have some kind of ailment that you're struggling with. You know what it's like to be in a valley. We all know valleys. Maybe you're in high school and the gossip in the hallways is just ruining your life. It's real. We've all been in these valleys. So we understand when someone's in a valley. So as Elijah messes up, you kind of got to give him some slack. He's just in a valley. So what he does, his next mistake, what he does is he just runs off. He leaves his friend, if you'd read the whole story, he leaves his friend behind, and he runs off into the desert by himself. It's such a lonely place, right? It's isolation. That's the mistake that he's making. That's the mistake that we make today. Isolation. I see it at church. People begin to struggle, and it's like, I don't want to come to church. They think because they're struggling, they shouldn't attend church. I see it happening, and it never ends well. Isolation is horrible for you. So here's Elijah. He's making this mistake of isolating himself. Let me read it to you. 1 Kings 19. He went alone into the desert, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. And then I love this part. I'm no better than my ancestors. I wanna, if I could ask him, I'd want to say, when did you start comparing yourself to your ancestors? Why? You see, that's another common mistake, comparison. We get tempted into it all the time. Comparison and comparison is unhealthy. The Bible says you shouldn't compare yourself to others. But Elijah's down, he's burnt out, he's tired, so he does the comparison thing. I wonder if you've done that. Do you ever compare yourself to other people? Maybe see someone else and end up looking at their life and it makes you depressed about your life? I mean, that's what media does to us all day long. It's all about comparison all day. We feed, it, we feed it to ourselves all day long. Every commercial that you watch. And I'm not slamming media. I'm not saying it's evil. But sometimes when you ingest a lot of something, it affects you. And what you're ingesting becomes normal. So the things we see in the media that we see on TV and all, that other, all those other places all day long, we just begin to do it. It's just, it's just, it's just a habit. But if you compare yourself to other people, your bank account, your house, your car, your figure, your physique, whatever it is, you're setting yourself up for intense feelings of helplessness and even worse, hopelessness. And that can lead to a lifetime of sadness. It's horrible for you. Don't compare. Because we start criticizing then. You look at yourself and say, I'm no good. I'm worthless. And we just play it over and over again in our heads of how we don't measure up to whoever we're comparing to. That's what Elijah did. He starts comparing, and it just takes him down. So now he's alone, isolated, unhappy, and he finally falls asleep. Then an angel shows up. 
And, and get this, I, the angel's going to say something to Elijah, and it's super spiritual. It's so deep. I love it. Here it comes. The angel says to Elijah, an angel sent from God with a message from God for Elijah. This is what the angel says to Elijah from God. Get up and eat. Wouldn't you expect something more spiritual? I kind of would, right? Like I'd expect this deep voice and the angels hovering or something. Like something big, like in a movie. But the angel just goes, get up and eat. And, and for some of you right now, you're going to think I'm crazy, but for some of you right now, that's the best advice for you, is to get up and eat. Or essentially, what the angel is saying to Elijah is you need to get healthy. A lot of us, we just need to get healthy. This is how God ministers to us physically. We're isolating and we're comparing, and God shows up and he says this, take care of yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. Take care of yourself is the message here from God. Life is driving you so crazy because you're not taking care of yourself. A lot of us aren't sleeping enough. We don't rest enough. We just go from one thing to another. We burn the candle at both ends until it burns out. I don't, I don't want to burn out. I don't think you want to burn out. So God is saying you need to take care of yourself. And, and for each of us, maybe it's a little different. Elijah had to eat. Maybe you need to eat. Maybe you need to sleep. Maybe you need to take a walk. Maybe you just need to relax for a little while. There's a lot of ways to take care of yourself. But between you and God, you can figure it out. And if you want to defeat the madness in your life, it begins with taking care of yourself. So we have this former champion, right, Elijah. He goes on a losing streak. He's just on a losing streak. That's what it is. He's exaggerating his feelings. He's isolating. He's comparing. And then if you finish his story in the next few verses, you would actually see that Elijah, he moves from underneath that tree to a cave. And in the cave, he begins to play the victim. Victimization, that's the final step here. God finds Elijah in that cave, and, and here's, God shows up, and here's what God says to Elijah. This is awesome. What are you doing here, Elijah? Again, I, I would have maybe expected something different from God. What are you doing here, Elijah? I love that question. And now talk about playing the victim. Here's what Elijah replies. It's 1 Kings 19.10. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I alone am left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah, while playing the victim, forgets everything. He forgets how God had worked through him to allow him to make it rain or not rain or call down fire or save a boy. He forgets all of it. Elijah forgets his close relationship with God. And he exaggerates and he says, I'm the only one left. And you know what God's going to tell him? Here's God's response to Elijah. Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain. God basically says to Elijah, and it's awesome because Amy talked about it in between the songs this morning. Just, just go out and listen. Just calm yourself down and just go out and listen. And then God sends an earthquake. God sends wind. God sends fire. But, but God wasn't in those things. He didn't show up in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. All that goes by and Elijah's just standing there waiting for God. And then finally, in 1912, it says there was a sound of a gentle whisper. God whispered to Elijah and he said again, What are you doing here, Elijah? In just a whisper. God whispered to him. It was intimate. It was intimate. 
if you're waiting for the earthquake or the pillar of fire or something, that's not, that's not how God does it. That's what, this is why this is so relevant. If that's what you're hoping for, this glowing sign in the sky, that's not how he works. God whispered to him. Have there been some storms in your life? Earthquakes or fires or or rain, some madness of some sort. Have you experienced it? You see, the madness is what got Elijah's attention. Is God trying to get your attention through the madness? Is God whispering to you and you've been missing it? Is it possible? Maybe, just maybe, God's asking you that same question, like, what are you doing here? Wherever, wherever you're at in life right now, wherever you're at, God, is God saying, like, what are you doing here? Why are you in this place right now? And when you listen, God will lead you out of it. You see, God ministered to Elijah physically with rest and food and all that, but now we're going to see God minister to Elijah spiritually, emotionally. It's in verse 15. In the whisper, God tells Elijah to go back the way you came. That's what he says, go back the way you came. That's so he can get help. There's help waiting for him through other people by going back. God listened, Elijah listened, and then God provided helpers for Elijah. That's what was required. You see, the Bible's not complicated. It's relevant. Elijah made all the same common mistakes that we make. When our life goes March Madness... Elijah did the same thing when his life went March Madness. And we learn from Elijah not to exaggerate our feelings. We learn not to isolate ourselves, not to compare. We learn not to victimize. You know, that's historically the the final four of mistakes before you find yourself far from God. That's it. And then you wake up one day and you realize, wow, I'm not close to God anymore. That's what happened to Elijah. Those are all the common mistakes. They don't work. You you can't win doing those things. You're not going to defeat madness doing that stuff. Instead, you have to take care of yourself. You have to look for God. You have to listen to God. And we can all do that. This isn't super complicated stuff. This isn't super difficult stuff. You don't have to go home and memorize the Bible. You have to listen to God. You can do this. That's what Elijah eventually gets right, and it turns his life back around. We can get it right, too. It's kind of like this. I don't know if you've ever been out hiking. Maybe you're, you're walking in mud, or you're walking in water, or snow, through the woods, you know, wherever. And, and hiking can just be so tiring, right? It, like, if, if you're walking through mud and stuff, you, you, get, you get wiped out fast. Especially if you're looking down at your feet. If you're focused down at your feet the whole time you're walking through sand on the beach or or walking through mud or water, whatever, snow, whatever it might be, if you look down at your feet, it's so tough. The secret to when you have a big hike is you got to look up. You got to look up, not down. You got to look up. And that's how life is. If you focus on your problems, you'll see more problems. If you focus on your potential, you'll see potential. And even Elijah needed help. Even Michael Jordan in that story needed help to see his potential. Let let God show you your potential. Let God show you how different life can be. Take a look at this.
Pretty cute, huh? Same song, different people this time. Imagine their potential. Imagine their potential. Michael Jordan saw a video and listened to a song, and he saw the potential to change basketball, to change how shoes are sold. Big stuff. That's way bigger. Everyone, every person in that video, every person in this room has the potential for a faith-filled life. A life led by God. You have that potential. Imagine how your life could change. It would be better than selling tennis shoes. Imagine how your future could change. Imagine how you could change and we could change Ripon and beyond if we fulfill the potential that God has for us. Sometimes you need to be reminded of that, and today is your reminder. Life doesn't have to be driving you crazy all the time. Don't do the mistakes that Elijah did. Instead, look up. Focus on God. Listen to God. Then do what God tells you. Listen to truth. You can do this. Rest. You can rest. You can take care of yourself. You can defeat the madness in your life. And that's as relevant today as it was for Elijah like 3,000 years ago. As I close, that's what I want to pray about. I want to pray that we don't let life get us all sideways and instead, when it starts to, we just slow down a bit and we focus on God and expect that he would lead us out of it. If you want that, I will pray that for you right now. You can bow your heads and I'll say the prayer for all of us. Dear Lord, as you know, for thousands of years, God, sometimes life can can drive us crazy. It's a lot of bad stuff that happens. And sometimes, God, we... In our stress, we make the wrong decisions. We handle it wrong. So God, what I ask for myself and for each of us praying right now is this. When things are getting out of control, you help us look to you instead. You help us listen to you instead. And then, Lord, you actually help us do what you're leading us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.